It's a goddamn Wednesday show. That means you're stuck with yours truly for the next, uh, what's it going to be like? I guess 45 minutes, isn't it? Like, that's usually how long these things last, I think. About 45 minutes or an hour. If it's your first time joining us, welcome, welcome, welcome to this episode of uh, Abe Thompson and Other Disappointments. Um, Wednesday is the time for uh, me and you, you communally, the communal you, you all, me and you all to grab a drink, sit down and communally, harmoniously even, I don't know, uh, discuss... Uh, chat, laugh, and sing, you know, or perhaps more accurately, sob (laughs) at the state of the world together. Pour yourself a glass of wine, grab a beer from the fridge, whatever's your poison, uh, you know, kick back and join me for a gallivant through gallows humour, a dance through doom lollery on this episode 129 of A. Thompson and other disappointments. Um, yeah, it, look, if it's your first time listening, um, take a seat, pull up a chair. Welcome. Here is the cell. Here's the cell. Let, let me set out my stool for you. I like to style this podcast as a kind of, um, uh, like a punk politics thing, right? So, you know, I'm here. I'm doing it DIY style. It's recorded in a, cabin in Hampshire <laughs> I do one solo episode a week and then one with guests usually on a Friday and this is a show where I you know I rant and roast my way through whatever is in the news that night right or that day a lot of the other pods out there will try to inspire you or educate you that is not me I'm here to uh you know if anything like bring you down a few notches <laughs> You know, like you were in a good mood earlier. You were excited about something earlier, but now it's like, come on, be realistic. That is very much the uh, the vibe here. Honestly, right, there is, there is enough insufferable, uplifting, aural positivity nonsense out there already. Like, I, I don't need you to be happy at the end of these shows. I don't give a fuck if you come out inspired at the end of one of these shows. In fact, honestly, it would be weird if you did. (laughs) You know how some people host shows where they talk about their struggle, right? Their story. And it's inspiring. It's shit like, um... (laughs) And then one day, I just said, no more cake. (laughs) And you're supposed to go, good for you, Jamie. You know, and you feel better about yourself and, and about the human spirit because you listened to their triumph in the face of adversity. That whole podcast episode, it got you jacked. It got you feeling good. Or, or like, there's a similar sort of genre. Maybe it's in the same genre. I don't know. Like, that sort of life coachy stuff, you know, the yoga, the mantras, the 
realize your business potential like all of that type of shit broadly we can term all of that stuff inspirational content well first time listeners this is not that <laughs> what i do what this show does just for the benefit of the newbies you know like if you happened across me from a you know marina perkis tweet or um I don't know if you if you googled the Super Tamsky episode and now you're like, what the fuck is this show anyway? Let's break it down for you, right? Inspiration is out the window. Optimism has left the fucking room. <laughs> Everything is fucked. Now drink with me. That is it. That is the synopsis. Um, we are not influencers here. We are influencers. We don't inspire. We we do something different. We run our fingers through the sludge and the muck of modern life and we hold up the shit and go, look how awful this is. And then you go, oh, God, yeah, that's, uh, that is really bad. <laughs> and then I go, well, obviously we have a lot in common. Take a pew, grab me an IPA, sit down and, you know, let's kick back. So there you go. That's the pitch. Uh, and and you are welcome. This episode, by the way, brought to you in association with Dun 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 Beaver Town, beautiful ales, delicious beer. This fucking podcast, very much brought to you proudly in association with Beaver Town. Um, I mean, you know, proudly, proudly on my part, they have no idea <laughs> they don't sponsor the show you know i doubt hardly anyone there even knows about it to be honest uh but here's here's my tactic right hear me out on this <laughs> i thought of this earlier today i figure i figure i'll just start associating them with the show and they'll listen to me talking shit and swearing and talking about times i got fucked up on drugs or whatever you know or, or I'll slag off the government, or I'll appear too woke, or, you know, whatever. And then they'll be like, we're going to have to pay him to stop. <laughs> like, stop mentioning us. It is, it is costly to our brand for you to continue associating with us. We're not sponsoring you, but we will pay you to stop. Please stop talking about Beaver Town. Like, other podcasts talk to talk. You know, they get commercial enterprise in to sponsor them and they sacrifice their credibility sitting there pretending that they're you know really g'd up about a new toothbrush or you know the cash app or something that's what they do sacrifice their integrity at the mantle of sponsorship but for me i've figured it out i'm gonna make these companies pay me to not mention them <laughs> to not be associated with them. It's like reverse marketing. It's fucking genius, right? Is that or is that not the most clever marketing idea you have heard at least in two weeks? Fuck around and have, you know, Beaver Town as my silent partner or some shit. <laughs> anyway, look, let's get into this. Some of you might be listening to this for the first time and you'll be like, what the, what is this? So let's jump into it. There is at least some, what I hope might be insightful commentary in here but you know let's not make a too strong a commitment on that we'll see how we go uh let's see what's going out there uh, going on out there sorry in uh, in the united kingdom 
uh, twinned with dystopia. Uh, Scotland got its ass spanked today. That's a big story. Uh, Nicola Sturgeon, who is first minister up there, has obviously been looking to take Scotland independent for a while. They had the Indy Ref in 2014, and the result was that they would remain part of the United Kingdom, right? So we thought that was it. It was done, settled, you know, d decision for a generation and all, all of that, right? And then Brexit happened. And so now the argument is, or was, that because the stability of the United Kingdom had been shaken, because the fundamentals of the UK had altered and shifted, and because Scotland was so in favour of the EU, that rather than be dragged out of the EU, kicking and screaming, they should be given another chance. They should be given another opportunity to say how they feel now that being bound to the UK has these sort of, you know, adverse side effects, right? And then presumably with a view to then decide on whether they want to rejoin the EU afterwards kind of thing, right? So now, look, I, I have to say I have some sympathy with that, right? I think... Like, well, I think Scotland voted 60% to remain, right? It was somewhere around the 60% figure. So that's pretty decisive in electoral terms. You know, 60% is a comfortable majority. And then, you know what, like, because a load of English mining towns or, you know, fucking home counties racists have decided that we should leave the EU, then, then Scotland just have to shrug and go, oh, well, you know, I guess we're leaving then. <laughs> You know, get aboard the, the runaway train of Brexit. Watch it go off the track and crash into the ravine. You know, like, it, 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 I don't know if they should be dragged, if they should be nailed to that same outcome when it's so clear that they, you know, Scotland didn't vote for it. I don't know if I feel comfortable with that. It doesn't feel right. You know, forcing them to crash out too, to make them poorer, to make their lives shitter. I don't know, like, it... I know we're talking geopolitically, right? And, and, you know, and referendums and Scotland and English parliaments and, you know, it can all get a little bit stuffy. So let's just try and break this down. Let's, let's throw out a metaphor, shall we? That's what we're good at on this show. A few little, a few clumsy metaphors. Here we go. It's like, what, what are we doing here? We're forcing them to stay in a shit situation against their will and pretending it's not a total fucking disaster. <laughs> that is the nuts and bolts. That's the cru cruxes of, of what is happening here, right? Forcing them to stay in a shit situation against their will and then pretending it's not a complete fucking abortion. Which is like what, exactly? And that is like demanding your wife stays at home with you when she wants to be on holiday with her mates. Right? That's where she wants to be. She's like, oh, I just want to be in the Algarve with Amy and Trish. And and you're like, no, no, no. You you stay back here with me. It will be shit over there. And she's like, no, 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 it won't. It won't be shit over there. I know it's going to be amazing. It'll be much better than here. It will be shit here. And you're like, uh, no. And she's like, what? Like, why not? Why? And then you're like, because reasons. Because just fucking re because I said so. Anyway, like I, I'm the only one that can drive around here, and I'm not driving you to the airport. So sit your ass down, you subservient care. You're staying here with me. 
in Hatfield. It's like, you know, it's the kind of nuts and bolts of it. And she sat there, you know, angry, flicking through her friend's snaps on Instagram, you know, they're all having a great time. And you're like, yeah, it looks all right. Looks looks all right on there, yeah, but it's not Hatfield, is it, babe? It's just not Hatfield. Like, and then what? Like, you you think she's just going to sit there and take it? Really? Like that controlling, arrogant kind of dynamic? You know, is she going to sit? No, she's not. Like, she's supposed to sit there like all like um. Uh, well, you know, I could be having a great time. You know, drinking cocktails, laughing, singing doing terrible karaoke, objectively bad karaoke. Like, honestly, who wants to see a 35-year-old white woman rapping Gangster's Paradise with a Kent accent? Fucking nobody. Like, they say I'm here to learn, but nobody's here to teach me. If they can't understand, how can they reach me? Like, nobody, not one, not one fucking person wants to hear that shit. <laughs> nobody flew to the Algarve to observe that. But it would have been fun. It would have been fun for your wife. It would have been great fun for her. But she's dragged back by her coercive, arrogant, controlling partner. And she's supposed to be like, oh, you know, ho-hum. <laughs> I guess I'll just, you know, happily remain here against my will with fucking no say. Like, like how do we think that's going to work out well? How do we think that situation will realize itself you think she's going to sit there smiling about it? of course not she's either going to run away or you know she'll stay and the tension will build up over years and then she'll end up crowbarring the husband when he's not looking or or you, you know he'll catch her googling domestic violence shelters and then that will all kick off you know that's how that story ends right and the Westminster English lot, I'm sorry and embarrassed to say, the Westminster English lot are the controlling husbands in that metaphor. <laughs> in case that wasn't so obvious. I didn't mean to club you around the head with it, but... Like with Indie Ref 2, I'm going to need a beer for this, guys. With Indie Ref 2, I feel like it's... um, I mean, it's classic Torydom, isn't it, really? classic Torydom, the short-termism of it. You know, like, you might win the battle that day. <laughs> you, might, you might keep your wife back that week instead of having, having a go on the fucking holiday. You might ridicule, say, like, um, Ian Blackford at PMQs, right? You might get a few laughs in. You might have people pat you on the back and go, oh, oh, oh you, you really got him there, didn't you? Sir Barnaby Smythe. Oh, you really showed him. You might win that argument. You might get the Supreme Court to rule against another referendum. That might happen. But this stuff doesn't just, you know, go away. <laughs> right? These people don't just shrug and go, you know, well, we gave it our best, lads. You know, we gave it our best. But you know what? Maybe it's time to accept these weird detached Etonian cunts are our overlords and, you know, fellate them accordingly. Like, it just... It's not just going to dissipate. It's not going to disappear. That feeling of not being listened to, that feeling of 
being pushed aside and not taken seriously, it will just fester and grow and manifest in different, or like, horrible ways. It's just going to, you know, they're going to go away. They're going to plot. They're going to review their options. They're going to strategize. And, you know, like, if we're really unlucky, this sort of, you know, overlooking and mocking and disrespect and, you know, it could play right into the hands of a Scottish populist. Like, it it could do. <laughs> like, it wouldn't take that much for a sort of, um, you know, like a, a Scottish Tommy Robinson kind of character, right? Tommy Robinson, but very, very Scottish. Imagine that. Wouldn't take much for that sort of person to spring up now, would it? A true blue flag-waving Scot who's all about independence. All about, uh, you know, free scorn! Pouring a load of scorn at the English ruling class, you know? Blaming England for Scotland's problems and, you know, coming out with rhetoric. It would be something like, um, it would be like, uh, it's because the English won't unshackle us to let us realise our own potential. It'd be like stuff like that. I'd be talking about shackles and being held back by the English. And with, you know, I'm sure there's been a lot of that narrative out there already. I'm positive people have said stuff like that. And to some extent it's true, right? But you know what I mean? Like I, an opportunistic, dangerous, potentially violent 30-something guy coming up now, raising the political temperature, inciting riots maybe, and then when the violence does happen, this person would refuse to disavow it or, you know, publicly distance himself from the terror cell responsible. Like, I know that my thing is basically, you know, to normally talk about how bad shit could be, like, in the future. Like, wouldn't it be bad if things got like this? And could you imagine how dystopian society could be? But doesn't that, doesn't that kind of person seem at least a little bit possible, like, right now? Doesn't it? Like, it, it's not just me, is it? Like, that sort of, you know, a sort of um, Trumpy, Tommy Robinson kind of guy, right? Like, amping shit up. Raising the political temperature. And look, as I say, the conduct of the British political institutions thus far would play right into the hands of someone like that. That's my fear, is like... You know, these people aren't blameless when they do r rise up, if that's the right phrase. But I also think, like, why are we giving them this ammunition? <laughs> why are we pouring fertilizer on that thing to grow? Like, it's just... Like, this idea that they're... You know, if you imagine this 30-something Scottish Tommy Robinson-type figure, they'd be coming out with stuff like, you know, we're not listened to in Scotland, we're not taken seriously... Um, they would be saying, like, uh, you know, they uh, the English don't recognise Scotland's right to have another say in their own destiny. And, you know, the comfort that the English take in legislating over Scotland. And, you know, they'd be coming out with stuff like that. They'd be they'd be caricaturing and cliching, if that's even a word, this idea of these, you know, these Westminster Conservatives, 
who are like, yes, 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 yes. We, we're, we're privately educated top hat Tories. And here's a list of rules that we have decided you need to live by. Like that kind of thing. They would amp that shit up. And yes, look, I, I know they have a Scottish parliament and there was devolution and a, there's a first minister and I think they have their own tax system and so on. But, but what I'm saying, and this is actually quite important, what I'm saying doesn't have to be 100% true, right? That's the thing. Scotland doesn't have to be 100% oppressed in every faction of Scotland's life. It just has to be somewhat oppressed, a little bit disrespected, you know, with a few cherry-picked examples of English parliamentarians not listening to them for that populism to take hold. I mean, like, fucking look at the Brexit campaign. Did you feel oppressed by the EU at all before 2016? Did you? Because I fucking did not. <laughs> I mean, just while we're on the subject of Brexit and, you know, pulling in the, uh, the parallels here, it would be a ferociously satisfying thing to see. To see the same Westminster types who tell anyone who was listening that the EU had control over us, that the EU was holding us back, that we could be great again. Once we're free from this overarching, arrogant, parenty entity. Like the ones who jumped on that populism train the second it pulled in. It would be funny as fuck to see them crying about a Scottish populist employing the same tactics to gain independence from the UK. It would be fucking hilarious. Seeing some guy on the TV in front of a bus... We give London a billion Scottish pounds every week. Let's give it to some walking centres instead. Like, you know, like, same shit, but just rolled out up there. I would pay to see that. But look, just, just to be clear, you know, I don't want that to happen. I don't want Scotland to leave the UK, you know. I've got Scottish friends. Some, <laughs> some of my best friends are Scottish. I've got Scottish friends and, you know, my girlfriend's grandparents are Scottish. Like, why would you want Scotland to leave the UK? I feel like we are actually a happy little union of countries. But then I would say that I'm English. I don't know what it feels like to live north of that border and to feel, you know, not taken seriously and so on. I want Scotland to stay, but I just, I think it's incredibly short-sighted of Westminster to roll the dice in this way. And the Tories specifically to think that they can kind of, you know, carry on like this. This sort of, you know, dismissive, arrogant, very like English in all the wrong ways kind of style of politics, right? I mean, it was only a, it's only a month ago. Do you remember that shit when it was like, it was Liz Truss in her very brief internship as Prime Minister. And I can't remember who it was that asked her the question now. Maybe it was in the hostings, actually, in the summer. I can't remember. And somebody said, so what, you know, what, what's your take on Nicola Sturgeon? And, and she said, this is, you know, the odds-on candidate for Prime Minister, if not the actual Prime Minister at the time, can't remember, but 
it was like, what, what do you think of Nicola Sturgeon? And her answer on record in front of cameras with microphones. Every, she's like, oh, I think it's just, you know, best to ignore her. You know, <laughs> like, she's just, yeah, she just craves attention. I think it's just best to ignore it. Like, what? <laughs> that is a geopolitical leader you're talking about there, you fucking idiot. What are you doing? <laughs> like, it wouldn't take much, is, is all I'm saying. For the worst kind of person to take the baton from Sturgeon now, you know, and go, all right, you know, I won't, I won't do the accent anymore. I'm sorry. But for them to go, for them to go, all right, you know, the centrist, pragmatist stuff hasn't worked, Nicola. You know, like, like we, you know, we've tried it your way. Now we're going to try Molotovs. That's, I can imagine that happening. Anyway, quick uh, swig of beer. How are you guys doing? I hope you're joining me. What's up to Ricardo? What's up to the imaginative titled uh, Potato Cabbage, both of whom are in the live chat on YouTube? Um, what else is going on? Meanwhile, right, over in the United States, more gun drama. More gun drama, guys. More entirely avoidable death. <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind of like... It's, it's like... I mean, it's so depressing at this stage, isn't it? Like, earlier in the week... So there's, there was a shooting, I think, this morning or, like, last night in the US. And then at the weekend, there was a gay club that was shot up. That was in Colorado. And, uh, and a bunch of the, like, patrons from that bar jumped on the shooter and disarmed them and then the police come in and like it it sounded like a heroic story like it was i mean it sounded heroic because i was assuming it was some hate-filled yankee doodle fucker do you know <laughs> like when you hear the words colorado and shooting and gay club like what do you think because I think of a guy, you know, with a moustache and a trucker's cap and, you know, maybe a pickup truck and, you know, maybe he's repressed in some way. And maybe he's too much of a coward to address his own feelings towards men, you know, within. And so rather than address himself within, he goes without, if that makes sense. And, you know, he goes plan B and runs in shooting gay dudes. Like, that is the context. That is the cliche that my brain goes to when you say Colorado gay club shooting. But when I saw that update this morning, right, I don't know if you saw it. It was from the Associated Press, right? And uh, it, said, uh, it said, Colorado gay club shooting suspect is non-binary. Like, curveball, right? Because the assumption is, like I said, like with the word association stuff, you instinctively think, oh, well, it's going to be some bigoted, ignorant piece of shit, like trucker cap, pickup truck out the back, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, I, you, pick, you get this idea in your head, these connotations. And then you read that headline, Colorado gay club shooting suspect is non-binary. And then I'm a bit less impressed. <laughs> Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if that makes me sound a bit, you know, probably a bit ignorant. I mean, there is no if about it, really. It does make me sound completely fucking ignorant. But it's like, 
like when I thought it was a dance floor full of terrified gays who jumped on this angry trucker man and disarmed him, I was like, damn. <laughs> These gays have got balls of steel, man. Like beautifully waxed, shining balls of steel. I was like, fair fucking play, lads, you know? Because I know what I'm like. Like, if someone pulls out a gun in front of me in my bar or, you know, whatever, I am trembling in the stock cupboard like a total fucking pussy. I am running into that thing. I'm pushing customers out of the way to get in there first. I'd be just the worst human being if someone pulled a, ga a gun out near me. So to hear these guys were like, nah, -uh, not in my club. Like, I was like, Christ. How brave must you have been to take down this redneck piece of shit, you know? So brave. And then you find out it's some non-binary dude. <laughs> like, I'm not saying he's definitely, you know, a dainty little vegan cliche. I don't think he is. I think he's actually, you know, quite um, portly. Uh, if, if the picture's in the you know, papers and stuff are much to be believed. But I just think, I don't know, like the story loses, uh, the story loses something, doesn't it? Like I could imagine the American news guy reading it out, right? Like you just know it would kind of, it would take the wind out of his sails a little bit. Like, you know, the anchor, the anchor guy would be like, and eh, don't go anywhere. Uh, we'll be right back after these messages, right? And then the continuity announcer comes in he'd be like coming up on nbc morning gunman who opened fire in gay bar and who was overthrown by gay club patrons is a non but not a uh, non-binary what <laughs> well oh that's uh right okay <laughs> stay stay with us though okay like it loses something doesn't it there's there's a punch or something that's missing in it anyway let me try and dig myself out of that hole the story gets deeper, though, of course. The plot thickens. Um, the New York Post came out with something else this morning. Um, it says, uh, Colorado shooting suspect's estranged dad is an ex-con MMA fighter turned porn star. Wow! <laughs> there, is, there is a lot to unpack there, guys. Let's let let's read through that headline again. That was that that is a lot to take in. Colorado shooting suspect, yeah. His estranged dad is an ex-con MMA fighter turned porn star. So, so the guy who ran into the club shooting or whatever the fuck it was that he did, his dad is estranged from him. So fair assumption, absent father. He's an ex-convict. Possib possibly explains why he was absent, I guess, you know. It's not an excuse, but it, you know, contextualizes things, I think. Then he was an MMA fighter, and then he turned into a porn star. I mean, he's, he's had a full life. <laughs> the father. And look, I don't want to get all, you know, Mary Whitehouse on you guys, right? God knows, that would be like shoot myself in the arse, wouldn't it? Like, with this podcast. 
Everyone needs positive role models. What about you, Aid? You're shit. You're a shit role model. Oh yeah, like the world's first example of self cancellation or some shit. Anyway, I don't want to get all Mary Whitehouse right. Be into whatever you're into, right? As long as you don't hurt someone, it's fine. As long as everything's consensual, great. Be into whatever you like. Like, let's not get all, you know, Eminem hysteria of the late 90s and early noughties. Like, do you remember that period? Like, in terms of role models and the behaviour of people and whether that gives you an excuse to then, you know, behave badly yourself... I, you're like, I don't know. I'm I'm somewhere in some, like, you know, kind of sticky ground in the middle there. On the one hand, I don't think it's, you know, it doesn't give him an excuse to behave badly. I don't know. On the other hand, it's like, I do think if you're raised in an environment where your dad is a jailbird, MMA fighter, porn star, I do think maybe the phrase never really had a chance leaps to fucking mind doesn't it <laughs> i mean thou shalt not judge lest he be judged and all that but you know you don't judge a book by the cover but sometimes the covers are absolutely perfect illustrations for what is actually inside that book so like the whole nurture nature thing is it like it's a big debate obviously and you know are you born a certain way or do you learn those behaviors right are sociopaths born with different brains to us or are they neglected and you know do they learn in childhood that there's no value in crime that there's no value in emotions so emotions you know waste away or you know and actually they're replaced by self-preservation because they're so neglected they've had to learn to look after themselves and defend themselves at all costs so you know, like that sort of thing. Nurture or nature. It's a big conversation. But it's like, like when people say, yeah, it wasn't his upbringing that made him crazy. You know, it wasn't his upbringing that turned him crazy. That is not an excuse. That is, you know, I'm always like, you know, but, you know, jailbird, violent porn star dad. I mean, Look at that in the round. Do you think that situation made him saner? <laughs> do you think do you think that helped him is the question that leaps to mind? Jailbird, violent father, you know, just how does that improve his mental health? How does that nurture him into being a positive member of society? Have those have those components and experiences ever improved anyone's mental health ever like it's difficult to imagine that set of circumstances being rolled out in a mental health retreat isn't it like we think we, we think this might help you oh really what is it well this guy over here he's going to storm in punch you in the face grab the remote control off you then he's going to kick your mum in the tit and scream at the neighbors that if any of them call the police he's coming back with a jerry can like, nobody offers that service at a mental health retreat because, spoiler alert, the benefits are <laughs> up up for debate at best. It is not a positive environment to raise someone in. Anyway, the story gets deeper. Deeper still. 
because on top of that shit, the guy's also, this is the father, right? The father is also a reality TV guy. And he was on Divorce Court and this other show, which, like, I, I don't know if you're aware of it, right? It's called, um, it's called Intervention. And it's about drug addicts and uh, alcoholics. And the show follows a family as they lure the person into a room and then they regale them with stories of how awful they've been. You know, you know what an intervention is, right? The TV show structured around that. We don't really have shows like that over here, do we? It's like, you know intervention i don't think there's a uk version of it anyway but then it's i don't know it's probably because in the states you know they they take these things way more seriously like i i had a friend this is a quick side note um i had a friend who he did a degree or uh i think it was a master's or something in the u.s and one night right they were chilling in the apartment over there i think it was in new york i might be misremembering anyway in the apartment and he went to get his third beer out of the fridge. And then his American flatmate was like, you getting another beer? Do you, like, do you, do you have a problem? Like, like, it was quite out of the ordinary for them to see someone just kick back and have a couple of beers to unwind. Like, it was that foreign to them. I, I mean, God fucking knows what they would make of this podcast. <laughs> I mean, at least he was, at least he was drinking with people. <laughs> at least he was, you know, drinking technically, physically with people. If they peeped through this cabin window and saw me drinking on my own, ostensibly talking to myself, <laughs> ironically, they would probably launch an intervention, uh, I guess. But anyway, uh, I digress. Um, I don't think a show like Intervention could really take off here because, you know, if a bunch of British people, I don't know what your mates are like, but if a bunch of British people, I think, you know, if they sat around in a circle and started regaling each other with tales of the times they got smashed and interesting things happened, we'd all, like, we'd just get into the spirit of it and the, the shit would become a party. Like, people would just get on it again. They'd be like... You know, it, my intervention, it would be like, yeah, Aid, then then you turned up at my wedding in jeans and a T-shirt, stinking of brandy, and, and you told my niece that you want to drink her bath water? And, and I'd be like, oh, yeah, I, I remember that. Fuck, man. God, yeah, that was a, like a lifetime ago. Like, And then someone else would chime in. They'd, you know, we'd all trade war stories of boozy tomfoolery. And before you know it, somebody would be like, fuck it, this is, this is too much fun. But get me a beer. I've got a couple of stories too. Somebody would stand up like, yeah, let's get nasty. Like, it would just devolve into a party that someone weirdly six months later would then tell someone else about in their intervention. Like, that is, it just wouldn't work. My intervention would be like, you know, do you, aid do you think do you think you have a problem i'd be like yeah yeah and then someone would pass me a beer i'd be like problem fucking solved okay off we go like anyway intervention it's a it's kind of a fucked up idea for a tv show right and this guy was on it um i mean it really is like i don't want to spend 
the whole hour talking about fucking, you know, trashy TV again. Um, little self-referential point to that episode I did talking about. Well, what the fuck was that show called again? Married at First Sight. That's right. Um, but intervention is, I mean, it's it's a t- horrible idea for a TV show. But then they've literally run out of all of the other ideas, haven't they? Like they've, they've used up all the other awful ideas on top of having used up all of the actual just general ideas. They've scraped the barrel. There's nothing left. They've already done everything else. They've done, you know, who wants to marry a deaf and dumb prostitute? They've done endurance and a thousand spin-offs of it. They've done married at first sight. And all that's left now is shit like intervention. You know, sitting junkies down and telling them that they're awful or, you know, or actual squid game, right? That. <laughs> but they can't get legal to sign off on, you know, human hunting or cannibal challenges or you know televised murder or whatever so instead in lieu of that some intern is like well you know why don't we just get meth addicts to cry about it like that i mean (laughs) there has to be a market for that somebody somewhere is going to want to watch meth addicts very very upset about the fact that they're meth and so out it goes you know 43 minutes of American poverty porn designed to make you feel better about yourself through the prism of moral judgment conveniently wrapped up in cellophane and sponsored by some you know big pharma painkiller so like America is such a fucked up place like they can have they can have a show like intervention which will show you in data uh, in detail the despair that addiction can propel you into. You know, they'll show you that shit with the fucking the blinds up, shining spotlights on it. It's just like people going, I, t- I took a bunch of pills and I smoked a crack pipe. And, you know, ne- next thing I knew, I was selling my mum's flat screen and blowing my high school maths teacher for money. My life was in the toilet. And I'm sorry, mum. I'm sorry about all of it. Like, it's oh. And then, you know, and then some peaceful music will start. And then this... You know, the host will come back on and and he starts speaking with his, you know, warm, inviting, dulcet tones. And he'll say something like, you know, this is to round off the episode, right? He'll say something like, Amanda is on the right path now, living back with her uncle and aunt in Michigan, where she's studying to become a veterinarian. Until next time. I'm John Lee Buckford, right? And then and then it'll be like like the the last part like the last thing you see on that episode. It'll be like Intervention is a part of a CBS's A Better You season sponsored by Purdue Farmer. Like like the US is is just such a weird sociopathic paradoxical country where you can have a horrible story about drug abuse sponsored by a company who make other drugs that are basically the fucking same. Like, it's so... Like, we brought you this horrible tale of hitting rock bottom, and it's awful, and I know it was mucky, it was grimy, but come on, be honest. Didn't it make you kind of want to get a little bit fucked up? Come on, be honest with me. Like, I got some oxys here, bro. Come on, go check them out. And, like, I'm not saying Intervention is sponsored by drug dealers. I don't even, you know... I don't know... If it's even on CBS or whatever, you know, I'm talking shit here. I'm just saying America is the kind of place 
where these disparate attitudes to addiction you know this idea that it's well, it's only the lower classes oh it's only the lower classes that it affects like it would never happen to me or my sister or my kids it's, you know it's that coupled with this capitalism on steroids and it's precisely the kind of place you could have a show like that intervention sponsored by some big pharma pill merchant it just fucking is i don't know man by the way some of what i'm saying there is true i mean look i i know i talk a lot of shit but occasionally i've been known to pepper the rubbish with some truth bombs if i might be so bold as to say so you know, like um, OxyContin is, or perhaps was, I don't know if they still manufacture it. Uh, OxyContin was a drug that was manufactured by big pharmaceutical companies, right? And it is a fucking industrial strength opioid. It's like fucking heroin. And they gave it to people en masse. And they fucking uh, incentivized practitioners and gps like oh yeah give moxie give moxie we'll, we'll fly you away on a holiday Just keep topping them up with oxy shit's like a you know white gold or something industrial strength opioid and you know unsurprisingly it resulted in a lot of the same issues that you would get from a heroin epidemic or something right People faked prescriptions, they got hooked on it, they made bad decisions to try and get hold of it. Ram raiding chemists, stealing from their friends. It's the same as fucking heroin. Anyway, so the guy, look, let's try and get back on track, right? So the guy who shot up the club, right? His dad is just fucking America, basically. His, <laughs> his dad is fucking America. You know, porn star intervention divorce court he's he's fucking 15 years too late for jerry springer but he's in that realm right and it seems according to the new york post that the kid who shot up the bar wanted to distance himself from his dad right Un unsurprisingly and they're reporting that he changed his name from his father's which is brink to aldrich which i guess is his mother's name uh so he ditched his dad's name so even if you don't believe that the father's erratic lifestyle had some effect on his son you know a chaotic upbringing or whatever even if you don't believe that had any effect on him whatsoever on the son he left as a baby he abandoned him so great job there bro um you 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 still have to believe that the existence of the dad the style of the dad and his personality and his absence, perhaps more prominently, was obviously reasonably traumatic for the son, for the son to then say, fuck this, I'm taking mum's name, right? That is a conscious decision. That feels like a rejection of that father to me. And so then you think, well, okay, hope hopefully the mum was a bit more stable, but no, the mum has... Pure, pure Americana here. The mum has three arrest warrants out for her right now in California. Active arrest warrants. And she was done for arson before. And it, like, I don't know, man. It's just this fucking weird, isn't it? Because 
Like, obviously, it's not okay to run in a club and start shooting. Obviously, that is unforgivable behavior, right? But in the context of a jailbird porn star MMA fighter that left him when he was a baby and an arsonist mum with active warrants, like, it's not okay, but you could kind of see how that shit becomes this person. You can kind of see how that happens, right? And I'm sorry if this sounds, like, insensitive. But there is something kind of, like, darkly funny <laughs> about this kid. You know, who's non-binary. And, like, I'm going to assume he's a sensitive soul. You know, I'm going to assume that by rejecting his dad, changing his name, the other tidbits we know about, I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that he was like, no, not going to be like my parents. Not going to be like my mom. No arson for me. I'm sensitive. I'm non-binary. You don't have to let the trauma repeat. You can flip the script. I'm not going to be like my father. I'm not going to have his last name. And then... Like, I don't know. I quite like the idea that after a lifetime of trying to not be like his parents, a lifetime, finally he's like, I don't know, who the fuck am I kidding? Obviously I'm going to do this. <laughs> like, coming out of the closet, but as a reprehensible cunt instead. Like, late stage coming out. Like, guys, 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 I've got something I've been hiding for all these years. What's that, mate? Well, I've always tried to live a good life and, uh, you know, not be my father or, or my mom, for that matter. But I'm ready to stop pretending now. And here it goes. I, too, am a fucking piece of shit. God bless you, Anderson. Oh, amazing. Guys, come on. Show him, show him around. It's really hard for him to come out in the open like that. God bless you. I hope you found some peace in finally admitting that. To us, but most importantly, to yourself. You know, like, finally fed up of pretending. Like, ah, fucking, where's my gun? <laughs> like, I tried it the other way. Now I'm going to try the Molotovs. Oh, shit! Snappy callback for the end of the show. How about that shit? See, I bet you were thinking, hang on. He was talking about Scottish independence. And now he's talking about gun crime. Americano, like, how the fuck is he going to tie those two together in a nice little bow for the end of the show? How is he going to tie Scottish independence to American gun crime? Well, fucking magic, guys. Pure magic. And also, just, uh, you know, everyone is a radicalized, violent lunatic these days, aren't they? So that makes comedy links that little bit easier. Um, you know, small upside to making the world a more terrifying place generally is that, you know, as everyone gets a bit crazier, it's easier to make links between them or whatever. Anyway, speaking of radicalized lunatics, if you are enjoying the show, maybe consider jumping on the Patreon where I'm starting my own cult. Uh, it starts at three pounds a month, so it's super cheap and you get the podcast episodes two days ahead of everyone else. Uh, you get access to our Discord chat where we, you know, we pop in and we talk shit about politics and dystopia. You get invites to the meetups, like the one we just did in October in Brick Lane. Lots of fun. I drank too much tequila. I felt very unwell the next day. But also, not just that one, but 
the new one, right, we're doing in February. On February the 10th, myself, Super Tansky, and Danny fucking Price are doing a live show. I'm going to do like a live panel discussion, bit of comedy, some character stuff. Really excited about that. And that will go out to the Patreons first also. So if you jump on patreon.com forward slash aid Thompson with an I-N on the end. Uh, also, while I have you, uh, try and check out the new Funk 27 website if you get a second. Um, uh, so basically, like after all of the shows come off Patreon, they're all up on Funk 27, right? So I take them, I mean, they're still on Patreon, but like after two days, I then publish them on Funk 27. So all of the old episodes, all of the old blogs, everything like that is on Funk 27. So if you Google that, uh, you will, you'll find your way to it. Um, so yeah. Oh, also there's like guest pieces on there. I don't know if I should mention that. Um, so I got uh, stand-up comedian James Benison has written a couple of bits. Uh, Byline Times, David Lowther. Uh, Byline Times is David Lowther, sorry. Um, so yeah, there's there's loads of stuff to read on there and it's all just been refreshed. It looks very nice and slick and rebranded. So um, yeah, jump on it. Give it a look. Let me know what you think. Uh, what else is there? Uh, oh yeah, last thing. If you're not able to join the Patreon, right, all I would ask is that you know share me about a bit share this episode with a friend of yours who maybe also enjoys hearing about how fucking awful the world is um if you have a friend like that or an enemy like that for that matter uh if they if they want to listen to how awful the world is from a guy who has literally no hope for the future of the planet then please do feel free to share the joy i bring unto the world uh, but yeah, word of mouth helps the shit grow. So there's that. Um, big shout out to the Patreons tonight. I would go through you name by name. In fact, shall I Can I quickly do it before I have to run in and look after my kids? Let's just do it quickly, shall we? Um, quickly jump on Patreon. Do, 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 do. Uh, so yes, huge thanks to the Patreons for continuing their support of the show. Uh, Anthony, Pingu, David, Alex and Aaron... Then Chris, Ricardo, Silent, T-Rex, and Oliver. And then Sarah, Paul, and Kerry. Thank you so, so much for continuing to support the podcast. You guys rock my world. Uh, I'll be back on Friday night. Until next time, take care of yourselves. I'm off for a pint. Bye now.